Have you ever met one of those people who just can't be stopped? It's like they're unstoppable. Yeah, I have. Me too. What's their mystique? Nothing stops these people. Stop. Stop. Welcome to Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso. You're about to meet some of the most amazing people. They've accomplished their goals despite insurmountable odds. They beat adversity, physical hardship, and traumatic events, and emerged triumphantly. They're people just like you and me, and they're winners. Are you unstoppable? Here's Frankie to show you how. Well, hello there, and welcome to Mission Unstoppable. Wow. <laughs> you know, we're supposed to be on Facebook Live, and I, I see you on Facebook Live, my friend, but I do not see myself. <laughs> I do not know. We've had many challenges, but we are unstoppable women, and we are going to figure this out. I am Frankie Picasso. This is now the Good Media Network. We were formerly the Good Radio Network. This show is Mission Unstoppable Radio, and we are going to... oh. I think we're live there now. So that's awesome. I'm going to just push this one down. So uh, lots of challenges, you know, lots of challenges. <laughs> but you know what? It's all good. Um, welcome to 2018. Welcome to 2018. Wow. Lots of changes, as I said. Um, I am also known as the unstoppable Frankie Picasso. I'm the founder of the Good Radio Network, as I said, formerly the the Good Radio Network, now the Good Media Network. Oh, it's a little confusing, but it's okay. Because we have now gone from, from radio to media, to take to TV. And actually, we're going to be doing both. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, it's, it's so wonderful to start off this year with somebody who is unstoppable, <laughs> like myself. She is also known as the boldness coach. And I love that. She is big, she's bad, she's bold, and her name is Venice Johnson, and she is a global leadership coach, she's an author, she's a speaker, she's a trainer, she is a brand strategist, and she's here with us today. But, you know, one thing, Venice, um, that we do on Mission Unstoppable is we talk about where we come from, because we're not... You know, you don't just magically pop into the air and are this wonderful boldness coach that helps millions of people around the world figure out who they are and, and brand themselves. Uh, you were once a little girl who, you know, grew up in the South and, and you know, had this difficult kind of upbringing, I think. So let, let's talk about how you became the unstoppable one. Well, first of all, I just want to say good morning. Happy New Year to you, Frankie. Happy New Year to all of the viewers this morning. How exciting. And we got tested this morning um, in our unstoppableness <laughs> with technology, but we proved to prevail above it. So I'm excited, excited to be here um, this morning. And you know what's really interesting, Frankie? I think that a lot of people are born um, unstoppable. Mm -hmm. And and we have different um, experiences in life that really help us to step into our unstoppableness. Um, and sometimes those experiences weigh a little heavy and it takes us longer in life to get to a level of unstoppableness. And mine started early. As you mentioned, mine started growing up in, for those of you that are on the state side, I grew up in Louisiana, born and raised in Louisiana. And I grew up to a single mom. 
um, in a house with a single parent and I had a brother. And so things were really scarce, you know, in and out for a long time. And so I got my prompting of, of unstoppableness very early in my life. And I'm happy to say that had it not been for that growing experience, I wouldn't have morphed into the bold, big, bad coach. Wow. Now, I know that you were about 12 years old when your entrepreneurism took over. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was 12 years old. You, you know, it's something interesting about, I think we can all agree to this, when we are in kind of uh, that, that preteen and that teenage years is when our independence starts to come into play and we, we want more of what we have, um, or not more of what we have, we want to kind of create the life we want. Um, because we always feel like, wow, I want more, more, more. And so being 12 years old and growing up in an environment of scarcity, I was like, you know, I want more than this. You know, I want to be able to go to the, the football games on the weekends, you know, um, and be able to buy food from the concession stand. Right. I want to be able to, uh, you know, for us girls, you know, get hair products, you know, things for your hair, right? Lipstick, lip gloss, you know, and, and that just wasn't available to me. So what I figured out was, what can I do to make money? And, you know, as a 12-year-old, what can you do to make money legitimately, right? Right, right. So, <laughs> I like that uh, legitimately. <laughs> legitimately. right? I'm sure some other people are like, well, I've read some things. Um, but um, babysitting, you know, it's like, okay, babysitting. Um, I also mowed lawns. Um, and I, I did whatever I could do to be able to get myself to that, to that space of, of like, you know what, here's some money coming in. And that was exciting for me. So at that moment, Frankie, at 12, I realized, wow, I have some control here. I can really affect and change my life and create the life that I want to have. So from 12 years on, it was on. So did, I know that you're, I guess you had scarcity in the, in the home. Did, was it food scarce? Like was food a, a, an issue? You know, um, there were times when, you know, we weren't starving. We always had food. Right. Um, but I think scarcity is relative because growing up in the South, you know, we, we grew a lot of things that we ate. You know, my grandparents had a farm, so there was always food. Um, but, you know, scarcity from a 12-year-old is not having enough pizza. Right. Exactly. <laughs> or the right clothes or the right shoes or the right, yeah, exactly. you know, to fit in. Yeah. yeah, so I, I had necessities. I had the basic necessities, but there wasn't anything available for frills. Right, right. So yes. if you wanted something extra like going to a football game or, or going to hang out with your friends after a football game at the burger joint, you know, that wasn't available. So how proud was your mom of you? You know, she was very, she was and is very proud of me um, because she recognized then when I was 12, like, Denise is not going to let anything hold her down. I think all of my family you know, kind of learn that about me as I was learning it about myself. Sure. That I wasn't going to let anything hold me down. And from that point on, that's really what drove my life. So having what I perceived to be some level of scarcity is what drove me. Um, and then also the fact that I could earn some income, you know, from simple skills, you know, simple. How much did you make for babysitting back then? You know, I made $40 a week, Frankie. <gasps> Wow, that's pretty awesome. $40 a week. Well, here's the catch. So I babysat on Saturday nights. And then during the week, I got up at 5 a.m. in the morning and I went to the neighbor's house to babysit her kids to get them up and get them ready for school because that neighbor had taken a job at um, at a lumber factory. Right, yeah. Produce paper. So I had to get up like 4.30 in the morning, tracking in the cold in the dark to the neighbor's house, which was kind of like like the street, one street over. So that paid me $25, you know, a week to do that. 
um, I babysat on the weekend, um, you know, with other people that found out about it in the church. And then I got really creative. This is where the entrepreneurial juice probably kicked into overdrive. There was a, I grew up in a town where the main industry was either a garment plant, you know, making, they were making blue jeans to send out across, across the world, or it was the lumber company that was like international paper, like turning it, you know, paper company, right? Paper sure. mail. So there was a local store in the community and I went to the store asking for jobs and it was owned by, you know, a local guy. And he was like, you know, Denise, I work here every day, all day. I don't have any money to hire anybody. Yeah. And I looked around the store and I was like, yeah, but you need the floor swept. You need, you know, the, the goods dusted off. And he had a laundromat attached to the store. So, and I went in there and I said, the floor is dirty on the laundromat. And people, this is the time when there was only laundry detergent, not like liquid, like yeah. powder. And I said, it's all crusted around the, the washing machines. So I said, there's something I got, I, I should be able to do for you. I can do. And he says, I tell you what, I'll pay you $5 for each room. Oh. So, so that was another 10 on top of the 25. And then on the occasion, Saturday night. So I earned really up to 40, sometimes maybe $50. You know, you know, I, let's talk about that just for one moment, because I think it's really important for people to understand a couple of things of what you just said. One, any job is a good job. You know, you don't, you don't have to be embarrassed about what you do because really, like if I, I remember when I first got married and my husband had lost his job and he went out with a bucket and a squeegee and he knocked on, on doors of, of, you know, uh, businesses and said, can I wash your windows? And yeah. he would come home every day with money. And I thought, you know what? God bless you for doing that because, you know, we would have been hungry, but the, and I was pregnant, but the, the point is that any job, my dad always told me, any job is a good job. And I believe that. So mm-hmm. good for you not to go. Cause kids today are like, I'm not going to do that. Right. Right. right? They're you not going to clean anything or, or right. do babysit right. or, or do any of the things that we used to do as, as young people. <laughs> yeah. That, that stuff is not sexy today. No. Um, but what it, it does the same thing today, Frankie, that it did then it built character. It does. Um, it allowed me to have some tenacity Yes. Um, some fortitude, intuitiveness. And confidence. You had to go knock on that door and and, and negotiate yourself. (laughs) I mean, what do you, at 12 years old, right? How do you, you know, I I had no concept of negotiating other than please, 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 you know, please, please. Right. So it, it built, you know, helped to develop those entrepreneurial traits in me that would later serve me where I am in my life now. So So let's let's look at six-year-old Venice. Five, six-year-old Venice. Uh, who did she think she was going to be when she grew up? You know, I don't know who she thought she was, but I was, at five and six years old, I was making clothes for my Barbie. I used to have a Barbie dream boat. Yeah, me too. So, <laughs> so I used to, I was still creative in that space because I was, my mother um, used to sew. So in the South, we made quilts. And oh, yeah. so really made for the family. But we had this this big old box of, of uh, material scraps. So I would dig through the box. So that's where we kept all the scraps for the quilts. So I would dig through the box and I would find, you know, different scraps and I would get me some scissors and cut them out. And, and then I would get me, you know, the needle and thread and I would sew clothes for my doll. Yeah. So, and, so that was the creative Venice at that point. And also Frankie, you know, I was, I learned how to cook, you know, too early on. Cause that was one of the, the cultural kind of, um, Rites of passage, you sure. know, for young girls in the South. So, you know, I was making mud pies, mud cakes, you know, and uh, creating clothes for my doll. So that's what the six-year-old Venice was doing. I got to say a shout out to my sister-in-law, Carolyn Kearney Davis. Hello, Carolyn. Nice to see you too. Thank you. And John Wood. John Wood <laughs> taught my kids in grade two. 
Very Thank nice you. of you to stick around. <laughs> They're 30 Thank now, but <laughs> <laughs> great to see you too. Thanks for, thanks for stopping in. And Roberta, thanks for uh, clicking like. I appreciate that. Uh, I did the same thing. I love my Barbies. I love to make clothes. I thought I might be a fashion designer. Who knew, right? <laughs> but, but you don't think I'm going to grow up and be a babysitter. Or I'm going to grow up and, and, you know, mow lawns necessarily. <laughs> but, but, you know, there was, so I, I, I was wondering, you know, because personal branding strategist, that wasn't even a, a thing, you know, like who did that? You would never yeah. think to do that as a little kid. So, well, I, But I think though, Frankie, we, I mean, we do, we all have brands in our lives. So branding really is about, it's a reputation, number one. And number two, it's the experience of a reputation. Yeah. So we have them, whether we like them or not, you know, either people like to see us coming or they hate to see us coming. Yeah. You know, either we bring in some good news or we're always bringing bad news. So at 12 years old, you know, my brand was, was one of survival, one of independence, one of creativity. I just didn't know that it would serve me as rich as it is as served me in my career. So did you, um, you know, 12, 13, 14, you finished high school, Mm -hmm. you went off and, and Mm -hmm. what did you go off to do, Venice? You know, what's really funny. Um, and again, thank, thank, you know, I just want to high five that 12 year old Venice every time I think about her because I left high, when I graduated at 17 from high school, I left home two weeks after I graduated from, from high school. Yeah. And I moved to Los Angeles, South Central Los Angeles, California, wow. you know, with from, the Louisiana. From, <laughs> from the country where everybody knows everybody to yeah. the city where nobody knows anybody. Sin City, yeah. You, yeah, exactly. Sin City, right? You're just a face among millions of people. Yeah. And I moved there when I was 17 and, um, you know, got, I rode the bus, took some coins in my pocket. I said, I got to learn how to ride the bus. I would get up on the morning and go like people were going to work. I would get up and go ride the bus like it was a job. And I would read the street signs and learn how to navigate the bus system because I didn't grow up with that. So why Los Angeles? You know, my uncle lived there. Okay. And, and okay. my uncle, you know, you know, we have family members that go ahead and they say, you got to come here because there's nothing for you down there. Right. So, right. so that was really a level of boldness that I was stepping into was to leave the nest, the comfort zone, yep. to go into a metropolitan city that I had no clue about the culture. It was such a culture shock. Um, and by the time I was 19, Frankie, I had my first apartment. Oh, by the wow. time I was Good 19. Yeah. So I had started living on my own. So I left home when I was 17, two weeks later, I mean, you know, after graduation, 19, now I have my own apartment, a one bedroom bachelor apartment. I didn't know how to pay rent. I didn't know how to pay utility bills. You guys, you know, I thought, you know, you, you know, having a a Hormel can of chili and hot dogs was the bee's knees. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the ramen noodles. Yeah. 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 Ramen noodles was the bomb, Frankie. Oh my <laughs> the cup. Oh yeah. Flavors, all those flavors. I mean, listen, you know, you can master the different flavors of ramen noodle. You you were going places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and but you knew how to cook, so that was a good skill. You already had that yeah. skill. Yeah. So that and then that led me to uh getting my first kind of corporate gig in finance, you know, working in the credit union. Um, check it, you guys. I didn't know how to balance a checkbook. Um, I had no idea, no clue about budgeting, you know, because coming from my mother's house, I didn't have I, I had some home economic skills. They yeah. used to teach that in high school. But right. one thing to learn it in class and to be in your mother's house and to help out versus you're on your own and you have to do it yourself. Right. So that was really a shock to me. So working two jobs, putting myself through community college, um, 
those were the things that really shaped me and moved me into the next level of my life. That's incredible. I love that. I love that, that, you know, you had, I mean, and, and so many kids, myself included, we all had to learn how to budget, you know, what, what's a checkbook? How do you write a check today? Kids don't even know what checks are. Right, right. They don't even know what it is. Remember the old mindset Frankie was, well, there must be money in the bank because I still got checks. (laughs) (laughs) I remember my kids go, I don't have any money. They go, well, just go to the bank machine. Yeah. Maybe she just spits it out. (laughs) It's a money dream. If it only worked that way. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. So it's, it's, it's crazy how times have, you know, not that much time has passed, but times have changed so very quickly and so very much. Yeah. Really? Yeah. 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 So during that time of scarcity, you know, it seemed like we were stuck probably in a, in life period in a time warp for a very long time. You know, and then the evolution of technology, the evolution of industries, Yes. you know, and, and they just start happening rapidly. And now we're in the space of technology. You know, we're we're in a phase of the Internet of Things, you yeah, know, yeah. where literally your phone will control everything that you do. Um, I'm working with a client now that's doing intelligent transportation systems, so intelligent lanes. So ultimately, cars will get to the point, Frankie, they're already doing them now, where the cars are talking to each other to avoid accidents. Right. So instead of us having to watch for that, our cars that we'll be in will be watching out for and keeping us safe because, because of just the age we're in. So just imagine being 12 now. Incredible. I could be a YouTube star. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Yeah. And they are YouTube. Star. Look at what happened to Justin Bieber, right? Yeah. He became a star because of YouTube. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And, and, you know, you're in a world now being a brand strategist and a, and a leader to, you're having to relearn and learn things very, very quickly to teach other people what to do, yes. how to shine in this arena. Yeah. You know, Cause people my age, we're like, huh, I don't know how to do this. And you know, <laughs> I'm trying to learn it. And it's good for the synapses. It's good to keep you, you know, always to learn something new every day, they say, because it, it, it keeps your brain firing, but you know, it's not as easy, but then I look at my dad who's 90 something and you know, he, I sent him a Google home for, for Christmas. He goes, I'm in command now. He goes, I got it. I got it. Yeah. So he, he's embraced technology like nobody's business. You know, I think it's the will, you have to have the willingness, yeah. you know, to, to want to stay fresh. Yeah. And you, you have to find your level of fresh. So what I tell my clients is find your level of bold. And, and I'll tell you just kind of sidebar how boldness came about, how yes. helping clients and how the, the boldness coach was birthed. Initially, before the birth of the boldness client, I used to do career transition coaching. So for people that were impacted by business model changes in their organization. So you either got offered another position in the company that you probably had no idea if you wanted to keep your job or the company laid you off because they just, your role was no longer needed, right? You know, for whatever reason. What I started to find is that a lot of the clients were very seasoned, Frankie, but they were like, well, how do I go over here? Because I've been doing this all my life. Right. Like, and, and, and how is that going to work with this over here? Because this is what I know. That's what I don't know. And who am I supposed to be in this? And how do I get to that? So what ultimately started coming up was that people wanted permission to go after the dreams that they had been holding on to. Yeah. They had been doing work every day because they needed to survive. So people were stuck in survival mode. And when you're in survival mode, you know, depending on who you're in survival mode with, 
your mindsets are the same. We right. go to work, we make money, we pay bills, we put the kids through school. Now we got grandkids, we buy them stuff. Oh, we have home projects. Yeah, we take a vacation on occasion. But nobody is, is saying, this is the time for you to live your life. Like you get, this is your opportunity to do whatever you want to do. And, and they're waiting doing. until they're 65. They're waiting yeah, until they die. Yeah, because yeah, the next level is after your kids get out of college, you're like, I've been at this job for so long. Right. I'm now I'm looking at my 401k, my pension. Now I'm next, I'm planning my retirement. Right. But nobody was planning in between that space of their life to step into their dreams. No one was planning to step into their authenticity. Right. So what happened to me was I went through a life event change. You know, I went through a divorce yeah. and, and I was sitting across the table from a, a good colleague of mine and we were having lunch and I'm like, is this it? <laughs> like, like, you know, you, you have a successful career, then you get married, your kids are grown and then you divorce your spouse and then you're like, okay, yeah, hmm, this is it. So I was like, I don't want this to be it. I want more. There's gotta be more. And I started to think about the clients that I had served before Frankie and how they were just kind of stuck in this conundrum of, of like zombie, of zombie state in their life. And I was like, no, there's got to be more. And she says, well, what do you want, you know, what do you want people to, to get from it? And which is such a broad question, right? Yes. When we ended up narrowing it down is, I, you know, what do you bring to the party? If Anissa, if you were going to a party, what would you bring to the party that you would want guests to be like, wow, that was an awesome dish. Like, I want more of that. We got to invite her back. And I said, I want people to be, you know, big and I want them to be like a badass. Right. But at the time, badass is so overused in my, in my, 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 my mind. And I said, I want people to, to be bold. And so then I was like, yeah, but, but bad and bold and big. I was like, that's all kind of like, that's typical comments. Like, triple B. <laughs> yeah, triple B like, and, you know what I mean? So let's invert it. And I said, I want people to be bold, big and bad. Yeah. I want them to be bold. And then I, then I had to say, Frankie, okay, that's real catchy lady. So what does that mean? so then after kind of pondering it and it it sat on my heart because it was like wow that kind of feels like a nice nice shirt like hmm bold big bad now what does it mean so then I went to uh, looking it up what does the word bold mean and what does big mean and what does bad mean and I looked at the common definition Frankie but I was like no I need to know what it means in life like how do you apply this in life so bold stands for branding out loud daily, which has to do with living in your authenticity every day throughout the day. Right. The permission to just be who you are. So guess what, Frankie, if you are chatterbox, then chat all day long. You just need to find the platform that supports that. And that allows you to really be in the authenticity of that. Big stands for building in your gifts. So what that means is we are all born with a certain level of talent, Frankie. Mm -hmm. Some of us have more than others, but make no mistake. The talent that we have can create opportunities for us in our lives. Right. So whether that's the next level of your career, whether that's a new career altogether, or whether that's creating a gig that's going to give more income to you, you know, or being in being in service of others. So build in your gifts, find what that gift is and just keep exploiting it, exploiting it. What else can I do? What else can I do? What else can I do? And I guarantee you it's going to open up to so much more, Frankie. 
And bad is branded and distinctive. That has to do with your reputation should precede you. You should be living in your authenticity, building in your gifts, and showing them in the world to the point to where people think of you when they're looking for somebody that's related to the kind of talents that you have. So you're the gold standard of <laughs> boldness coaching. Exactly. Or, exactly. or whatever the case might be. So yeah. you must meet a lot of people, though, and, and they say to you, Venice. I don't know who I am. I don't know. I don't, what gifts? I didn't get any gifts. I can't find any gifts. Right? Yeah. 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 How, how do I narrow that down? Like lucky for you. It's lady. almost the same question as I don't know what my purpose is. Yeah. It's, it, the you know, it, it's the same. And you know what, Frankie, this is where the 12 year old girl comes back into play because we can all go back to parts of our childhood where we were shining in our authenticity without permission. Yeah. Because we, we had not been taught that we needed to be something else or somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, we really just did, for all intents and purposes, we were just naive. Like, this is me, this is it. So, okay, good for you. And going and, and we would just do what we do. And when I went back to that 12-year-old girl, I looked at how she served me throughout my life. Because I started my first company, Frankie, when I was 25. So I had a million-dollar a million temporary staffing agency in downtown San Francisco. You know, I had no prior experience with uh, becoming an entrepreneur. I did not go to school to be an entrepreneur. I went to school, school and got a, a two-year a liberal arts study degree because I didn't know what I wanted to study. Right. And But what I did know was that I had a tenacity um, to just dive in. I also knew that I would be creative. And I worked in the staffing industry, but I felt like a lot of uh, would-be burgeoning entrepreneurs, oh, I could do this better. Yeah. You know what's interesting? I, I want to let's talk about the two points that you made. One is look, go back to your childhood and look at it. Because yeah. I, I, I was nine years old when I sent away for the National Institute of Broadcasting Records. I always oh, wanted wow. to be on the radio. I didn't oh, be on the radio until my mid fifties, you know, or whatever. So you know, it's it's always there. It's always back there somewhere in your childhood. The gift yeah. or the talent or the the yeah. desire to be, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. The world socializes us and, and makes us become things sometimes that we don't want to be uh, right. doctors who want to be artists and artists who want to be, you know, doctors or whatever, but yeah. families can push you and, and, and teachers like Mr. Wood can push you and all kinds of people can push you yeah. into doing what you don't necessarily want to do, but they go, mm-hmm. it's good for you. You'll make money at it. Mm-hmm. But your heart doesn't sing there. Right? Yeah. Right. 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 And, and, and the other, the other, um, point that you made, you know, you're having your first business and, and, and being in the staffing. So many people that I have found from being a coach when I first started cannot figure out their transferable skills. Like housewives mm-hmm. would come and say, I, I don't have any skill. And you go, but you've got time management from looking after your kids and, and you've got yes. you know, serving but experience because you serve dinner every night and, and you do, you've got all these skills yes. that, that you can create and send them out on their way to say, yeah, you've got lots. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, you bring up a good point, Frankie, when you say the socialization. So we're socialized um, when we get into our teens, you know, the mid to late teens. What do you want to be when you grow up? Right. You know, um, and then people and we're like, I don't know. And then people start planning ideas in your head, you know, and then you go off to you know finish school. Then you get the pressure of your friends going off to college to be certain things. Then your parents are projecting onto you that they want you to have a different life than they had. And they didn't pursue their dreams. Therefore, now your their dreams have become your responsibility right, uh, right. To, to fulfill. So there's a lot of socialization 
you know, going on that takes us away from our authenticity. And that's one of the things that keeps us from getting sooner in life, earlier, sooner than later in becoming and living in our authentic voice. So for me, I think what really helped me, and this definitely may not work for everybody else, but I, I left my nest, you know, so that I, I kind of got out in the world yeah. and had to see what was going on in the world beyond my four walls. And I'll tell you, my, my son's 25, he'll be 25 next month. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm getting over cold. Um, so my son will be 25 next month. My son still has not picked a career yet. Mm-hmm. So, and when I say yet, because here's the socialization and I have to remember, I started my first company when I was 28. Yeah. Um, and I, I had a hustle when I was like 25 making gift baskets. So I have to remind myself that, you know what? He may have not found, you know, his, his talent may hasn't risen, you know, or the confidence, right. you know, may have, may have not risen to the top yet. The confidence hasn't piqued the curiosity yet in his mind that, hmm, maybe I could, you know. Um, And so I'm hands off because I want him to find his way because I know when he finds his way, he will be amazing. And if I, as a parent, can help him to find his way sooner than later by being hands off with the socialization of what you should be, then I feel like I, I really have probably been done the best job as his mother that I could be for him in this moment of his life. I agree with that. And you know what? I, mm-hmm. I didn't know. I, I still don't know who I want to be when I grow up. Yeah. So I think it's, I think <laughs> it, I've done so many things and I just say, you know what? It goes in that toolbox and it becomes this, right? Yeah. Uh, some people know exactly who they want to be. I've got a brother who's a doctor, a lawyer, an architect, right? They know who they are. I tried everything and that's okay yeah. too. I think that's okay. Yeah, it's it's so you have to you have to try different things. You know, the funny thing as you were saying that we were talking about you know your talents and gifts. I used to get in trouble for talking in class. Yeah, I used to get in trouble for for like listening to what the grown people were talking about when I was a little girl. I just had this natural curiosity to want to know more. You know, and and also I had I, I recognized that I have a voice, and I was like, but if I say something, it needs to be something that's contributory. It it, it can't be something just blabbing just to be hear myself talk. So I recognized very early. I just didn't know how or where that would play into my career. So I ultimately ended up getting positions in retail where I was talking to people all the time. Yeah, yeah. So as I fast forward to where I am now. That's what I do in my career is I talk to people. So I'm a trainer, I'm a leadership coach, and I'm a speaker. And so I get to use my voice, but it goes back to that 12-year-old girl, you know, saying, wow, that's what I used to do and get in trouble with and be reprimanded for. Ah, this is my authentic space. I want to say something about your authenticity and your boldness. Um, Because you recently, you know, you're an author, and I read something that you wrote. (laughs) that you know I love my I love myself I love my body and I don't know I don't think I know any woman that says that yeah and I shout out to my daughter Olivia thanks Liv hey Hey, girl hey (laughs) but you know that's a big statement it's a bold statement that's a bold statement my friend because honestly women I hate this I hate that I hate this I hate like everything right yeah yeah. You know, what's interesting about saying that, and, and yes, I am a published uh, global author now and, and, and kind part thanks to you, Frankie, but big part thanks to you because of the invitation to participate in the anthology, right? I bared my chest. So 
what, what, when, I, when I started to write the story, it really became cathartic, you know, in a sense where, wow, I own my boldness, you know, beyond the persona of what people see out there. Like, this is me behind the closed doors, like all of me. And owning my body, you know, for my imperfections are what makes me bold. My imperfections from others' eyes, you know, is what really makes me unique. Right. It separates me from everybody else. And that also helps me to own my authenticity. Because I'm so busy loving who I am, I don't have time to try to be anybody else. Because I tried like everybody else. I tried to have somebody else's swag. You know, I tried to have somebody else's hairstyle or hair color. Um, I tried to have somebody else's appearance. You know, I tried to have somebody else's coaching programs or coaching styles. Right. I tried all of those things. And guess what? They are freaking exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so I came to a point to where I'm like, one day I walked past the mirror and I was like, hey, wait a minute. You know what? You don't have a flat stomach and you never had a flat stomach. So okay, girl, we can spend our rest of our time worrying about not having a flat stomach or we can learn how to dress the stomach we have. (laughs) I like that one. (laughs) So I'll tell you what we're going to do. Let's try and see how it works to dress the stomach we have, you know, on the body that we have and let's see what we like about that. And then as I dress one part, it was like, oh, wait a minute. Look at those legs. Okay. Yes, I go to the gym. If if you're a friend friend with me on Facebook, you're going to see my sweaty workout pictures. But I don't go to the gym because I'm trying to uh, change my body type. I go to the gym to enhance the body I have. There you go. So, I and like I, yeah, so I just started to own and feel that. And that's my boldness too, you know, because when I show up to a party, people are looking at me because of my authenticity. Right. Yeah. You know, and and it's like, very attractive to men. Yes. Yeah. And that's a whole, we'll do another show on that one because I'm recently <laughs> starting dating someone. And I think that was it. It was like that authenticity of, of who I am because I had tried all of those other things before and they never worked. Um, And then also I think the biggest thing, Frankie, was I just, I don't want to be based on some of the other clients I had worked with in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to wait until I'm getting 60 to try to find my bonus and try to find my authenticity or try to find my permission. I'm going to get my permission right now, you know, because I'm I'm probably going to have other things to worry about on the other end. So right now is where I want to have that. And so that's what I bring to the party. And from a coaching perspective, and you know, Frankie, as a coach, as an amazing coach yourself, you know, coaching is not something that you can, it's, it's not one size fit all. Right. You know? And so it, it's really about the uniqueness of the, and the personality and the chemistry that a coach brings to a relationship that you connect with. Yeah. One, one of my brand personas is that I'm a truth teller. So I don't want to work with anybody, Frankie, who does not want to be told the truth. Right. If you want somebody to go along with your program and somebody to be, uh, you know, gentle and kind to you, I'm not mean or nasty. I'm not a Jillian Michaels. Right. right. But I'm going to tell you the truth about what I see. So I tell all my clients up front, if you don't want the truth, I am not the coach for you because I'm going to call you out on your stuff and I'm going to tell you what I see. Yeah. I love that. I love that about, yeah, I mean, that's the way to go. You have to be that way. And, you know, I had a client write a testimonial that said, like, don't hire her if you don't want to get and be unstoppable and get to the end. Right, right. If they want safety, they want safety, Frankie, and they only want to go so far, they should not call you. 
Yes. You are going to take them to the edge and say, okay, here's the edge. <laughs> We're going to get to the other side. So which gear are you grabbing? Yeah. yeah. So that's you as the coach, Frankie. You're not like, okay, we're at the edge. Let's sit and think about it. And then we'll come back to it. You're like, no, we're at the edge. You knew we were coming to the edge. You knew we yeah. were getting to the other side. You're right. And the, the edge was one of those pathways that we were going to have to go through to get to the other side. So which gear are you grabbing? Because we got to go, girl. Let's go. That's it. Exactly. <laughs> and you know what? That's why people hire coaches, because we are champions for them. And if you really want, and if you're stuck someplace, you got to call, you got to call Venice, you got to call somebody who is going to take you there. And you've got, you know, this amazing business, you, you are a boldness coach. And how awesome a gift is it to show people where their boldness lays inside them and to bring that out for them? Because that confidence, you don't need anything else but really confidence when you walk in a room because people are so attracted to that. They so are. You know, it's so funny. Everywhere I go, I color my hair red. And I, I remember at a point in my life, you wouldn't have caught me dead with red hair. You know, you just wouldn't. Have, I'm just like, oh, my God, that's so brash. That's so. But this has become my signature is my red hair. And everywhere I go, people, I was in church on Saturday, on Sunday. And uh, when I stood up, when they said for the new visitors, you know, to just acknowledge the visitors, somebody said, I saw your hair. I saw that hair. And I was like, that's Venice. Yeah. <laughs> And so, and, and it could be whatever your style or whatever your energy is that people see, you know, but at the end of the day is really, it's easier to be who you are than it is to be somebody else because the, the work it requires to be you is way less than it would be, you know, being somebody else. Well, I remember you writing about how your hair was the bane of your existence. You know, you had so much hair and, and straighten it or do it or whatever. Like it was driving you crazy. Just, just like every woman, you know, every young teenager, I had like, my hair used to be long on my shoulders and, you know, trying to get somebody to do your hair, you know, and in the African-American community, you know, you got like a checklist. Oh, that's too thick. Oh, that's going to take too long. Oh, that's, that can only be done on this day, you know? And so you're just like, you're just so defeated. So you feel so defeated sometimes, you know, by your hair. And now I'm at a point where I'm just like, no, it's naturally curly. I wear it there. It doesn't have any chemicals in my hair. The only thing I put on is color. So getting to a place again of acceptance, yeah. you know, about who you are. So accepting this, that my hair is the way that it is. I, I take, I spend less money at the hair salon. <laughs> That's good. You know, I spend less time worrying about styling my hair, you know, cause it's going to come out curly and that is the style. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it freed me up, you know, to be able to put energy towards other areas of my life. When I go to the gym, I don't worry about my hair when I go back, to, when I go to the gym, because guess what? When I sweat, it's going to get curly. So I don't have to worry about that, which frees me up to have time to go to the gym, you know, and then come home and switch clothes and wet my hair and go someplace else. So that's owning who you are and all of those, I call it, again, what other people see as imperfections, own them as your own perfection areas because they work for you. I can't even imagine having a better guest to start 2018 off than you. I really can't because, you know, who doesn't want to walk into this, into, you know, this year owning yes. the, the, themselves, owning, yeah. you know, who they are. And, you know, for me to do this TV, it took, it took, a couple months. It took four or five, six months to get up the nerve to do it because I didn't want people looking at me. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, you know what? I don't care. <laughs> I don't care yeah. anymore. It's okay. Cause I just want to have a good time and I want people to have a good time. And, 
you know what? It's fun to talk to people, but it's more fun to talk to people face to face. And I think people like the visual aspect. They like to see who Venice is and their red hair. You know, we're talking about red hair, but you know, where is that? Where's that red hair? I want to see it. You know, right, right. What shade of red? And then also people see your energy, Frankie, and they see your calmness. You have, you do have this calm energy about you, but there's an undercurrent going on. (laughs) (laughs) People get to see that. It's one thing to hear a voice, but when you put a face with a voice, and I really applaud you. And this is your your first launch um, of your show in 2018 yes. and we had a little technical difficulties but we worked those out and we continued on so you are in your boldness and here we are what the ninth day of the year so you're right what a fantastic way to start your year is to step into your boldness and don't give a damn yeah so I want everybody who's watching this or listening to this uh, give a shout out to your website I think it's venicejohnson.com um, and write to Venice and write to me or write around the videos or something, uh, what you want to be bold about and what you have been bold about. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, Let's Let's see how bold we can all be. Yes. Send us some boldness. So Frankie, I know that I'm I'm on your page uh, for your radio show. So you can tag me, even if you're writing Frankie, you can tag me. You can find my business page. Um, It is the boldness coach. So that is the boldness coach. You can find me on Facebook. So please like my page. You can leave a comment there. Also, you can leave your your declaration about what you're looking to be bold in in this year. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If you tell me that you're going to be bold in something, you better believe (laughs) I will be checking out to see if you are bold. And if you are not, I am going to be calling you out to say, is that, are you really at the level of boldness? Are you stretching or are you being comfortable? Yeah. And and one thing I want to encourage people to do, Frankie, um, the one word I want to have people to remove from the vocabulary this year is the word, but. Yes. I I would be bold, but. Right. Right. (laughs) But I'm worried about what other people would think. But what if it doesn't look right? But, 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 but. Anything after a butt negates anything that comes before it. So thank you so much. Right. (laughs) So you want to, you want to replace that with the word and I am going to be bold and people are going to need to get used to it. I am going to be bold and Mm -hmm. in in coaching, uh, not just your coaching, but in coaching, you know, when I taught coaching in general, we had this thing that we call a bold request and you could ask Mm -hmm. your client to do a bold request and you know, they could, say yes or no. But if they said yes, they had to follow through like you just said. And so a bold request goes beyond even, you know, just a regular homework. It's like, I really want you to stretch and do this thing. And so our bold request is tell us what you can be bold about and then do it. Be unstoppable in your boldness this year. Be unstoppable. And you know, it's so funny because people might be thinking, well, what does the boldness coach do to be unstoppable? You know, or how do you, how does the boldness coach continue to be bold? So in 2018, I am taking my business global. All right. 2017, I had my first global speaking opportunity in New Delhi, India. That's right. And this year I am going um, back to India, but I'm also going to Sri Lanka. I formed a partnership with an organization called WeEmpowered.Global, which is uh, WomenEmpowered.Global. Awesome. And so I'm going to be reaching audiences in Sri Lanka, you know, helping women with leadership and stepping into their boldness in their lives and careers. I'm going to be doing a conference in Nigeria this year, and I'm going to be going back to India again um, to Dubai, going back to Dubai, going to Dubai this year, speaking at a conference as well. So the universe is huge. 
It's a demand for boldness. It's a demand yes. for, for people to stand in their boldness to be able to create the change and the life that we know we are also deserving of. So join me, you know, in 2018 and stepping into your next level of bold. Awesome. I love that you're going out there and doing that to the world. How exciting is that? Thank congratulations you. on that. And congratulations to all of you who tuned in today. And, and thank you for tuning in. And thank you for helping to make the YouTube site because I still need about 40 more people to, to sign up and subscribe to the good media so that we can have our URL, our the good media good media on YouTube. That's all it is. I'm not trying to, you know, sign you up to anything. I just want to get my domain name on there. So, so if you haven't done it, please, please, please sign up. Uh, go to YouTube, look up the Good Media Network and subscribe. I, I appreciate it. I thank you so much for that. I will be back here on Thursday with Frankie Sensen Moore. So thank you, Venice, for being my guest. Thanks to thank all of you, you for tuning in today. And I really, really appreciate your support. And I hope you enjoyed our show. Take care, everybody. Have a happy 2018.